Phoenix, Arizona, 1997. As thousands of local residents stared up into the vast cosmos of the desert night sky, they were confronted with what many reported to be a giant, triangular-shaped spaceship with several lights underneath it, so vast that it even blocked out the stars above it. In a massive insult to their intelligence, the military claimed that these were just flares that were dropped outside the city as part of an Air National Guard training exercise. Now, more than 26 years later, the mystery still persists. Did aliens visit the skies over Phoenix in 1997? Or were these lights merely just airborne flares? Welcome back to episode 20 of Super Mystery Bros, the podcast where we treat mysteries like piñatas, brutally beat the shit out of them until they split open and the truth comes pouring out like a bunch of those nasty-ass Lucas candies. Or until we swing and miss and hit your friend in the ball sack. Exactly. My name is Nate, and with me again is Kyle. Kyle, say hi, man. Hi, Kyle. I said hi, man, not hi, Kyle. Hi, hi, man. There you go. So before we get rolling on this episode, we do have some sad news to announce. Um, Ivan's no longer going to be a regular part of this show. He could be back on special occasions, but that remains to be seen. So Kyle, Kyle's going to be the new main co-host from now on. So I'm sorry if that disappoints anyone. Um, I'm disappointed too, but we got to work with what we've got. So it is what it is. Kyle, you're, you've got big shoes to fill. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I will do my best, but no promises. Yeah. So, I mean, we couldn't have gotten this show off the ground in the first place without Ivan. So if you happen to be sitting on a curb somewhere drinking a 40 ouncer, pour some out for our homie Ivan. Gone, but not forgotten. Kyle, speaking of homies, what can our homies out there do to help us out in our cosmic journey into the unknown? Well, Nate, our... Our homie listeners can always, you know, do us a solid by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app it is you use to listen to, you know, that this amazing podcast that we got going. Um, you can always drop us a line at supermysterybrospodcast at gmail.com. You know, just let us know how we're doing, how you're doing, you know, comments, criticisms, a um, couple other tips. Right. Just just tell a friend, just tell one friend and see if it spreads like the covid plague, you know, or something cool. I came up with get a get a white T-shirt, plain white tee, get a big Sharpie, Sharpie Super Mystery Bros on it and go to a concert or your favorite local bar. Right. Just be a walking billboard for this awesome podcast that we by we, I mean, Nate puts so much blood, sweat and tears into. Yeah. Also, our uh, our producer Davis. He he's uh, he's underrated. Yes, he is. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to say before we roll? Oh, actually, before we begin, I do want to just provide a disclaimer that I've got a 
fucking horrendous headache right now. So I am not firing on all cylinders today. So it is what it is. But, you know, Davis, he was cracking the whip on us and he told us that we made a commitment to the truth. So we've got to keep things moving. Yeah. And that guy does not take no for an answer. No, damn straight. Do you have anything that you'd like to say before we uh, get going here? I don't think so, man. I think we are ready to rock and roll. Today marks 26 years since the mysterious Phoenix Lights appeared over the valley. And we still don't know what it was, but there are plenty of theories out there. It was the evening of March 13, 1997. People across Arizona, especially here in the valley, reported seeing a silent, miles-long V-shaped group of lights gliding quietly overhead. Was it a military mission, a prank perhaps, or visitors from outer space? The questions and confusion over the sighting have only grown during the prevailing years. Phoenix, the capital city of the great state of Arizona, with average summer high temperatures reaching 105 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius, Phoenix is widely considered to be hotter than Satan's ball sack. Surrounded by nothing but a landscape of distant mountains, cacti, and various shrubberies, it feels kind of like that one Smash Mouth song where they sing about walking on the sun. Peggy Hill said it best, Quote, this city should not exist. It is a monument to man's arrogance, end quote. Speaking of man's arrogance, who the fuck is Peggy Hill? Hank Hill's wife, dude, from King of the Hill. Oh, I guess I should have put that together. Yeah, you should have. But in this great yet unparalleled city of arrogance, a peculiar event took place in 1997. An event so shocking that it left thousands of local residents bewildered as they stared up in the night sky in disbelief. In a time where the Hale-Bopp comet was passing over the skies of the southwestern United States, and the Heaven's Gate cult was preparing to quote-unquote evacuate the Earth by committing ritualistic mass suicide, all while wearing the same pair of Nike tennis shoes, a different, more shocking aerial event took place in the skies over this desert paradise. So did you hear that they discovered another body in that Heaven's Gate cult mansion recently? Recently? Yeah, Dude, just like a, 97. a few years. There's a few years ago. Yeah, they found a, uh, a another body there that they didn't find before. Wow. I wonder where that motherfucker was hiding out. Yeah, dude, he was under the sink the whole time behind the comet. Uh, oh, fucking boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> World renowned actor and pillar of the Hollywood community, Kurt Russell, who is also a friend of the show, by the way and a licensed pilot had been flying his small plane into Phoenix on the evening of March 13, 1997, along with his stepson Oliver Hudson, and became the first known person to report the phenomenon to any authority. Kurt had been flying Oliver into Phoenix to see his girlfriend by his own account. As the two flew over Phoenix preparing to land, the two spotted strange lights over the airport. Quote, I saw six lights over the airport in absolute uniform V-shaped formation, end quote, he would later describe in an interview. His son Oliver would also ask him what they were, to which Kurt would respond with an honest, quote, I don't know, end quote, before reporting the lights to the tower at Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, making him the first person to report the sightings. However, the tower responded back that they showed nothing on their radars, quote, I was feeling like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, end quote, he would later say. You know what would be great is if we actually had a recording 
of his or any other pilot's communications with an air tower that night to actually hear what these people describe seeing. It probably exists somewhere, but I don't think we're ever going to hear it. At 8.10 p.m., local Arizona resident Ross Nickel and his family were driving on Highway 89 outside Chino Valley, 90 miles north of Phoenix. Quote, I looked out the window and I saw some lights in a very small pattern. And what they really looked like at that point was some just dim stars, several of them in a very tight pattern, end quote. Quote, they were like whites. They were, quote, they were white like stars when they were coming toward us. And at that point, they changed colors and went from white to red. They were just overhead at that point, And they were, in my estimation, not very high off the ground. I'm guessing a thousand feet. And there was absolutely no sound during the whole time from start to finish. There was absolutely no sound, end quote. He went on later to state, quote, there was definitely five of them. They were basically on a flight pattern of some kind that was fairly uniform, end quote. And lastly, quote, we saw them travel over a distance of probably 70 to 80 miles over about 12 to 13 minutes. No flares that I know can do that, end quote. So real quick, I just want to point something out that when you're looking at lights in the sky, it's so hard to judge distance and speed. Like, I don't know how he can, how he came up with 70 to 80 miles over 12 to 13 minutes. Uh, yeah, that just makes no fucking sense to me. Yeah. It's really tough to tell, you know, because something could be moving a like horizontally across the horizon to your perspective, or it could be coming at you, which would make it even harder to tell distance and speed, you know, but people want to act like they know everything. Yeah. 20 minutes later at 8.30 p.m., 90 miles south, a commercial airline pilot and his wife were driving home from dinner. The pilot agreed to tell his story to the show Unsolved Mysteries on condition of anonymity. Quote, I've been flying for 20, 29 years now, and I'm not used to looking up in the sky and not being able to figure out what I'm seeing. I looked at it then and tried to make it into an airliner. I realized again, God, it's going too slow, and oh, by the way, there's no noise at all. And then the next thing that struck me is that, yeah, and why would his landing lights be pointed straight down? Because the lights appeared to be about five lights arrayed in this V formation with landing lights pointed straight down, end quote. Yeah, so landing lights are just like... Think of it as like headlights for a car. You know, they they beam out in one specific direction. 14 miles southeast of the pilot sighting, a woman by the name of Ozma Linderman and her boyfriend had their very own sighting. She told Unsolved Mysteries the following, quote, It was very clear in my mind that it was one solid craft. The lights were traveling too perfectly spaced apart and that there was a void clearly between the lights that blacked out the stars when it came down, end quote. Quote, the whole thing just slowed. I don't know, maybe just to a stop or it hovered for a second. And then what looked like one solid red oval object, it just turned red and shot straight up and disappeared. Gone, completely gone. End quote. End quote. I'm certain that the lights that I saw were not aerial flares as used by the military. I've seen them from the ground. I've seen them from the air. And these weren't flares. And probably the major reason why these were almost certainly not flares dropped by the military was that they're dangerous, so they would never, ever be dropped over a population center. End quote. I would like to argue that it, if you dropped a parachute flare high enough, 
it would go out well before it hit the ground, but mm-hmm. you still don't want the general public playing with spent flare shells, you know? Correct. It's, yeah. It, especially if one doesn't ignite when it's launched. Now you have a live flare that people can just play around with. Um, also yeah. to, to my knowledge, um, parachute flares are magnesium, which burns bright white. And they, and now we have a couple of reports of these things turning red. Mm-hmm. All right. At 8.45 p.m., truck driver Gary Morris saw the strange lights about 80 miles south of Osmo Linderman. Truck driver Gary Morris told Unsolved Mysteries, quote, You know, I tried everything I could to explain them away. And I said, well, it looks to me like a flock of geese flying down from Iowa with flashlights in their mouth. They didn't look like floodlights. They didn't really look like spotlights. There was something different about them that I had never seen before, end quote. By 9 p.m., the Phoenix Lights had apparently traveled 300 miles and had been seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses. All hell was breaking loose across the city as people began to peel their sweat-stained t-shirts off the back of their chairs in order to rush outside and view the spectacle happening over their city. By 10 p.m. that very same night, local resident Michael Crisden grabbed his home video camera and began shooting video of strange balls of light floating over the twinkling city of Phoenix. Quote, and before I know it, an entire display of lights comes on. I got a little excited at that time, and I called my wife. It took her about a minute to get over there, and it was really quite unusual, end quote. So just a note that whenever you look up a video of the Phoenix Lights, the footage that Michael Crisden took is probably the most famous from the event. It's kind of like what the Patterson-Gimlin film is for the Bigfoot world. So there's also another video of the incident that was shot 15 miles away at the same time from a slightly different angle from an anonymous eyewitness. Yeah. Yeah. I looked up as many videos as I could. Um, I'm not sure which one uh, Michael Crisden took, but um, just he took the one where, where it shows kind of the city below and then yeah. above are the, the six lights i think there's about six lights can we just describe the video real quick it's basically it shows it's a shitty grainy home video camera home video footage taken from a shitty video camera all of the videos and pictures taken because it was 97 and because all video and photo of unsolved mysteries are always grainy and shitty i think it's just the way of the universe yeah you can't really tell what these are they're just little dots in the sky yeah it, but i'm yeah, sure it would look way more spectacular in person yeah yeah i'm sure you know and for for most of the videos i i saw i couldn't make out like a definitive v shape but it sounds like the people that were right underneath this thing saw a giant v in the sky i was really hoping to find a picture or video of that but to no avail yeah. captain drew solens of the air national guard told unsolved mysteries quote The 104th Fighter Squadron of the Maryland Air National Guard's 175th Wing was conducting a night training exercise in the vicinity of the mysterious lights. And what they were doing was dropping night illumination flares over the North Tactical Range of Luke Air Force Base. And a lot of people seem to think that those flares could, in fact, have been the quote-unquote mysterious lights, end quote. Later, he said, quote, if you lived in Phoenix, these flares, some of them were dropped at 14 and 15,000 feet. They burn very bright. They burn for five to six minutes. They're suspended by a parachute, and it's a large flare. You would be able to see those flares, I would imagine, for 150, maybe even 200 miles. End quote. 
Even some of the most prominent and important people in the country witnessed the event. Megan McCain, the daughter of the late Senator John McCain, who was a senator for the state of Arizona at the time, claims that the event made her a believer in the UFO phenomenon. When she was just 12 years old, her neighbor called the house and told Megan about the strange lights that were coming up in the sky. Upon hanging up the phone, she told her mom Cindy about the strange objects that were being spotted, and then all hell broke loose. Their phone began ringing off the hook as their family, friends, and neighbors began to ask if what they were seeing was what they were seeing. Um, yeah, so once again in reference to the flares, yes, parachute flares do burn extremely bright, and if they're you know if they're high enough in the sky, I I'd believe you could see them for well over a hundred miles. You know, Nate, yeah. have you ever seen a parachute flare in real life? Like, I've only seen them in, like, movies, but, you no. know, they, yeah. I they, don't think I have in real life. Yeah, 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 but you know what they're designed to do. Like, they, yeah. they're designed to light up, like, almost Huge an entire like, square, yeah, yeah, square miles of area, you know, like, like it's daytime when there's no moon out, when it's pitch black. Yeah, exactly. And, um, the only problem I have, these could these could be flares, but the only problem that I have this whole story, if these are flares, is these flares don't last very long. They only last several minutes. So these people report seeing these balls of light hovering for hours. Yeah. So it's either not flares or it is flares and people are tripping, which we'll get into later. Yeah. Quote, at first, mom wasn't sure how to react. My dad was away in Washington, D.C., and she didn't want to terrify a house full of kids, especially right before bedtime. Eventually, she allowed me and my brothers to go out to the yard to take a look for ourselves. And there it was, giant bright objects floating in a straight line in the distance, end quote. According to Megan, the lights she saw were nine seemingly stationary lights that hung over the city for hours before they suddenly disappeared over the horizon, which would conflict with the official military report that these were flares, which would only burn for about six minutes each, as I said before. Megan recalls her brothers going up to the roof of their house to watch the lights and singing the X-Files theme song. So do you think if our podcast was around in 97, they'd be singing our theme song instead? Oh, hell yeah. Although Megan's brothers were excited by the so-called Phoenix Lights, they left young Megan shocked and horrified by what she saw. Within days, Tucson Weekly broke the, broke the news that the Maryland Air National Guard in Arizona for winter training had a squad of A-10 warthogs flying over the gunnery range that night, and they had dropped flares. An Arizona Air National Guard public information officer, Captain Aileen Bynes, Eileen Byans, excuse me, had determined that the flares had been dropped at 10 p.m. over the North Tack Range, 30 miles southwest of Phoenix, at an unusually high altitude, 15,000 feet. So yeah, like we were saying, you know, the these flares are meant to illuminate the ground, and when you drop them that high, that light's not going to reach the ground to a point where like a ground unit can see you know, right. enemies or vehicles or whatever out in the distance. Yeah. And the other problem that I have, or just the other part of the story that I just can't square is that the lights were moving from Northwest to Southeast over Phoenix. So they would, they should have been seen Southwest of Phoenix if that's where they were dropped. So yeah. that's just <clears throat> something that I, I, I can't figure out what it could be. What could the reason be? 
Yeah. Well, we'll get to that later. During a now infamous press conference, which was called shortly after the incident, the governor of Arizona, Fife Symington, who himself was a former U.S. Air Force pilot that served in the Vietnam War, stood in front of reporters at a podium. He began to address the alleged incident and shortly into his opening statement said the following, quote, and now I'll ask Officer Stein and his colleagues to escort the accused into the room so that we may all look upon the guilty party, end quote. His chief of staff then walked in from stage left, wearing a full alien costume and handcuffs. Quote, don't get him too close to me, please, end quote. Nervous and hesitant laughter can be heard in the room before he goes on to say, quote, this just goes to show how you guys are entirely too serious, end quote, before stronger laughter erupts in the room. Yeah, I, I didn't watch that video, but when I read about that, I, I started laughing. I thought that was a pretty cool stunt. <laughs> yeah. Fife Symington was widely criticized and skewered publicly for treating such a serious event as a joke, particularly by ufologists and UFO believers. He ended up leaving office later that year, 1997, after being indicted on 21 federal counts of extortion, making false financial statements and bank fraud, and subsequently being convicted on seven of those counts, resigning from his governorship the following day. In the years since leaving politics, he has changed his tune on the story and treats it as less of a laughing matter and has expressed his dissatisfaction with the Air Force's explanation that these were flares. Although he accepts that flares may have been dropped that night, he believes that the Phoenix Lights were something completely separate. Let's roll a two-minute clip from an interview from former Governor Fife Symington taken by a local Fox reporter in 2014. March 13, 1997. This event called Lights Over Phoenix. What did you see? Well, I saw a, uh, a huge craft just kind of come right over Squaw Peak. Um, that was, you know, it was just breathtaking. That that it was a, it was a, unquestionably it was a UFO, which means unidentified flying object. Right. Doesn't nothing, mean we're being visited. Well, it's nothing like anything I've ever seen. And, and you're an Air Force guy. Yeah, yeah, and a pilot. Uh, got a lot of hours flying, so uh, it was pretty breathtaking. And um, and I'll never forget. I I snuck out to see it, um, you know, without DPS, uh, which I. I'm not supposed to be driving my own car and that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, but I told Dan what I was doing. I was going to go up to Squaw Peak and see what everybody was, you know, clamoring about. And um, when I walked in the front door, she looked at me and I was apparently just, normally I'm fair complected and pale anyway, right? And she said, oh my gosh, she said, she'd look like a ghost. What, what, what did you see? And I said, well, I don't know what I saw, but it's, it was really something. And I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> And, uh, wow! So Were you did it frighten you? No, I, no. I, I think I was kind of in awe, really. You know, how big? Bigger than anything I've ever seen in the sky. Like an aircraft carrier in the yeah, sky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and it, and it was hard to define because of the light in terms of the size, but it but it was absolutely silent and had sort of eerie embedded lights, and you know, so that's what I saw. And I wasn't expecting to see anything because I was looking out over at Luke. Uh, right. to the west and uh, and then all of a sudden these people in the park uh, area on the just on the west side of 51 there were a bunch of people there everybody said oh, look at that and we turned around and this thing was coming from the northwest traveling to the southeast all right man so what's your main takeaway from that that um 
this thing was gigantic, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But Fife said that it, it could be as the size of like an aircraft carrier in the sky. Now I know you said that, you know, when you see planes in the sky, lights in the sky, it's really tough to gauge distance, speed, and even size. But I mean, to say something looks like the size of an aircraft carrier in the sky, that kind of mm-hmm. speaks volumes. Yeah, plus this guy is a former Air Force pilot. He served in Vietnam. I'm sure he knows what night illumination flares look like. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he's dropped them before. Um, it's hard to argue with that. I'm not saying that he's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's it's kind of hard to argue with that. I, I don't know. I wasn't there, you know? Yeah, exactly. And these these shitty videos of the incident, I guarantee you that they probably do no justice towards no. what it actually looked like. It's like no. anything. When you see it on TV versus in person, it's, it gives you a completely different impression. Yeah. Well, h- hundreds upon hundreds of people wouldn't have stop their own night dead in its tracks to go outside and look up at this thing if it looks anything like the, the shitty grainy video that's available. Yeah, and I'm sure with Luke Air Force Base right there with the North Tactical Range and all, I just I would also wonder how how common it is to to see dropped flares. I mean, at that height, like like somebody said, that's that's not common. It at 14 to 15,000 feet. That's that's mm. not what those flares are for. Well, yeah. So, I also want to add so when we talked about Simington getting indicted and convicted of certain charges, he was actually pardoned by Bill Clinton in in January of 2001 right before he left office, which I thought it was kind of odd considering that Simington was a Republican. Well, I don't know. That I've got no comment on that. Because I don't want me, the show me to, neither. Yeah, I don't, I don't want the show to get political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on to Dr. Lynn Katai, a medical doctor and a witness to the event and author of the book Phoenix Lights, a skeptic's discovery that we are not alone. The military's explanation is complete bullshit. Quote, I don't know what they were, but I know what I know that they were. It was a mile wide formation of these orbs, and I caught them head on turning into a V. End quote. Dr. Katai cites eyewitnesses who claim to have seen an actual craft, not just lights, flying over Arizona on that night, black or gunmetal in color. However, Ty Groh, a former F-16 pilot, refutes this and believes the flare explanation to be entirely plausible, explaining that flares react like hot air balloons, going where the wind takes them, meaning that a steady breeze can carry them all in the same direction causing them all to move in unison with each other at a constant distance. He went on to further explain that extremely bright objects such as flares can appear closer than they really are and experienced it himself while flying F-16s. Quote, you'll be looking at airliners that look like they're 10 miles away and they're really 400 miles away, end quote, he said. As you have probably gathered by now, despite thousands of people witnessing the same event, nobody can seem to agree on what it was. The year following the Phoenix Lights, in a 1998 article in the New Times written by Tony Ortega, he wrote of a man by the name of Mitch Stanley who witnessed the lights through a large Dobsonian telescope. Um, I had to look this up for anyone who's curious. A Dobsonian telescope is a popular telescope for amateur astrologists. It's really like astronomers. Astronomers. I wrote astrologists. I don't astrologists, know. Astrologists. Astrologists is like what your star sign is and shit. 
Whatever. Fine. Popular for amateur astrologers. Star watchers. Stargazers. The night night people. (laughs) So anyways. The people of the night. It's a no frills thing. You know, I... I looked it up to see if this was any kind of special telescope for identifying UFOs. It's not. He wrote, quote, It was plain to see, Mitch Stanley says. Under magnification, Stanley could clearly see that each light split into pairs, one each on the tips of squarish wings. Even under the telescope's power, the planes appeared small, indicating that they were flying high. Stanley says he followed the planes for about a minute, then turned his telescope to more interesting objects. They, uh, end quote. Stanley said, quote, they were planes. There's no way I could have mistaken that, end quote. End of article. All right, so let's just go over the aftermath and conclusion of our story. So as the story of the Phoenix Lights grew in fame, the story itself began to evolve, and it's become difficult to separate fact from fiction. And as the years and decades have passed, the story has become one giant game of telephone. Some have accepted the official explanation that these were just flares that were dropped at high altitude by military aircraft. But some witnesses insist that they saw not just lights in the sky, but a giant V-shaped craft that the lights were attached to, which blocked out the stars in the night sky as it passed slowly and silently overhead. Allegedly, the so-called Phoenix Lights were first spotted over Henderson, Nevada, before heading in a southeasterly direction, and then after passing Phoenix, they were then allegedly spotted later on in Mexico. Quote, we call it the Phoenix Lights, but it's not really completely accurate, end quote, said Richard Dolan, referencing the sightings hours earlier in Nevada. Quote, You're talking about two distinctive types of events. Could be related, could be the same thing, could be something different, end quote. To muddy the waters even more, the Phoenix lights were being spotted at around 8 p.m. on that night, while the military claims that they were dropping flares between 9 and 10 p.m. on that night, causing a huge discrepancy. If these really were flares, then either the eyewitnesses or the military, or both, are reporting the wrong time. Furthermore, if these were flares, they would burn out after about five to six minutes. But these were being reported as lights that hung in the sky for hours. Were the eyewitnesses really seeing lights that hung in the sky for hours, or were these just flares that were being deployed again and again over the night sky by the military? Was this all a misunderstanding? A game of telephone that spiraled out of control? Or was the city of Phoenix, Arizona visited by a strange craft from another world? Kyle, your thoughts go. Um, my thoughts. There's definitely arguments to both. There are more arguments supporting um, UFO, right? So I will go over the shorter list of arguments arguing the flares. Um, <clears throat> like, like I said, I saw multitude of videos. Um, a lot of these differ in a lot of ways. Um, one thing they all have in common, like we said, they all fucking suck. They're shitty, <laughs> grainy videos. You know, I couldn't find a one of the of the the triangle that people saw that was the size of an aircraft carrier that if you look straight up at it, you couldn't see stars through the V, right? Like it was a solid object just outlined mm-hmm. by lights. Um, some of the clips I did see, um, one were uh, bright white lights that, you know, kind of appeared in unison and then it seemed to be about five to six minutes later, they all kind of started going out. 
granted in in a different order but i mean it's it's a flare they they could burn at different rates yeah you know i i definitely saw a video that very possibly was flares and the, the guy who shot the video i believe he said it was at about 10 p.m which is when the military said that they were dropping flares so i'll give them that one um some of the videos uh these lights appear orange and in some of the eyewitness accounts they said that the lights turn from white to red before disappearing um that's a flare yeah yeah i mean right before they burn out they they go red and then they okay. go out okay i didn't know that because i do know that parachute flares burn white or at least I'm fairly certain that they burn bright white. Yeah. I, I did not know. So there you go. There's another argument for the flares is so I, I do before before <clears throat> you move on though, I do want to say that um five I think Fife Symington accepts the fact that some of them were flares, but there was also another event that was I completely I, separate from the flare deployment. I wholly accept that too. Um what whether that was related you know, like the government knew about the lights and then decided to go drop flares so that they could, you know, use that mask as an excuse. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mask it, use it as an excuse later on. I'm not sure, but there there were definitely enough reports and sightings and even a couple of videos that definitely point to flares. Now, the majority of witness reports and the videos, there is no fucking way that these are parachute flares, right? These lights are in the sky for hours. Parachute flares do not burn that long, you know? Yeah. I, hey. I mean, like, I, I agree with you. If if you take the eyewitness accounts at face value and accept it as fact, then yeah. But what I've learned over the years is that you can't really trust eyewitness testimony very, very much because I agree. people are wrong. I agree, but you have... um multiple pilots reporting this and saying that there's no fucking way that what I saw was parachute flares. Yeah. God, dude, this one, this one is one that I don't have a strong opinion on. I think I, I lean more towards it being flares, but, um, you know, I can, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, you know, because you, you get reports of them moving from North, from Northwest to Southeast when this the i guess where these flares were being dropped was supposed to be in the southwest of the city which is in a completely different direction yeah and then you also get them moving over the city not just not just outside of the city but going over the city yeah which is not where you're supposed to drop ordinance any kind yeah. of ordinance even if it's a parachute flare you know because like like I said earlier, you don't want people playing around with, with the empty canister or worse. Mm -hmm. You have a flare that deploys, but does not ignite. Now someone has what is essentially a fucking, you know, magnesium bomb, <laughs> you know, just a, you know, so some stupid teenager picks it up and goes and hits it with a hammer, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then the other discrepancy is that the military said that they dropped flares between 9 and 10 p.m., but the most spectacular sightings of the Phoenix lights took place between 8 and 9. Yeah. So, man, it's so hard to parse out what's true in this in this story. Yeah, I, I think that there were two sightings. One, unexplained aerial phenomena, and one, fucking parachute flares dropped at 15,000 feet for why i would have no fucking clue why you would drop them that high that's not 
what that's for. You know, pl- planes deploy two types of flares. Parachute flares for for uh, ground illumination at night and then um, flares to distract heat-seeking missiles. I'm pretty sure those flares are actually red, though, and they're not attached to parachutes. Like, those are out in, like, 30 seconds. It was so hard to find solid information on this case. Yeah. Um, Like, so many thousands of people saw it, but it's so hard to get solid facts about what actually happened because it's all eyewitness testimony, and all the eyewitnesses say something different. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of par for the course, you know, in like large group UFO sightings. It's Um, like, you know, when you, it's like going to a movie theater and watching a movie and then talking to your friend who was there with you. And it's like, they saw a different movie than you. Yeah. Um, You said they saw completely different movies (laughs) on the same screen. Yeah. Um, So something that did have me scratching my head though, right? Is that this is the same year that the Heaven's Gate cult killed themselves so that they could you know transcend into a ufo that was hiding behind the hail bop comet same year is that do you think, have- they, do you think they were too late because this happened like <laughs> less than a week before they killed themselves do you think that less this was their week. they missed their I, opportunity I, I i did not realize it was that close i, I i'm not sure if they yeah. missed their opportunity or if what heaven's gate believed in actually might have held some weight Right. Like what less than a week before the comet shows up and they all kill themselves. There's actually a procession of UFOs. Fuck, man. Maybe maybe we're fucked. We got stranded on this dumbass rock and now they're in. <laughs> they're heaven. the only ones, the only ones that had it. They right. made it. They made it. Yeah. Um, a, a really cool quote I, I heard in a movie about religious beliefs and things like that is a. Uh, we can't all be right, but we could all be wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, man, this is like the first time where I don't I don't really have a strong opinion on on what this the answer to this mystery could be. I guess it, it sort of depends on what the facts in this instance are. And it's so hard to get the facts straight because everyone is saying something different. So yeah. I'm not sure how much I, I trust eyewitness testimony on this at all. Um, you know, if if these were actually flares, they shouldn't have hung hung in the the sky for more than several minutes and neither do i think that they should have floated over the entire city you know going from northwest to southeast that doesn't make sense if those were flares yeah so it it kind of really depends on who you believe in this in this instance yeah like the whole thing is so fucking confusing because getting the the exact story straight is is impossible yeah there there was the one guy with the telescope who zoomed in on it and said it was definitely airplanes. But I mean, I reading up on that type of telescope, it, it sounds like you wouldn't even be able to focus on something that bright anyways. So maybe he was just stargazing and saw something moving and saw a flight of planes. Like he wasn't even looking at the actual lights themselves. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think it's important that we don't call things that aren't alien spaceships, alien spaceships, because it, it kind of does nothing but discredit the entire subject matter. And it, it causes people to scoff at it. You know, when, when every light in the sky is a ship from another planet, less people are going to start taking it seriously when something actually strange and mysterious floats into the sky. You know, um, I, I just I don't have enough information to make a, a solid guess as to what this is. The flare explanation does make partial sense. But when you consider 
what the eyewitnesses said about the lights. It's like, it doesn't fit perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it fits pretty well with some eyewitness reports and one video I saw. But then again, I, I could not find any like raw unbroken footage that was like an hour long of the same lights hanging out in the sky. You know, like every video is, you know, chopped down clip. to like 30 seconds to, to run in like a newsreel. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, de- definitely hard. Um, I, I get what you're saying by not just calling everything an alien spacecraft, but that's why I like um, the, the acronym UFO. It stands for Unidentified Flying Object. It was something that was in the sky. We don't know what it was. UFO, you know, yeah. it's it's not it's not everyone's fault that when you say UFO, they just assume that means alien spacecraft. All right. So if these were aliens, why do you think that they would be flying so low over Phoenix? I, <laughs> Phoenix of all places. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it looks different. You know, it's a it's a humongous city um, in the middle of the desert, you know, and but you know, what co- doesn't make sense to me is like why they would fly that low. Why would they need to fly that low over Phoenix if they're well, this ma- this technologically masterful race of of beings well, that can it, fly here? Why would they need to fly like just a few thousand feet above above the city in a giant spaceship? Why can't they just do whatever it is that they need to do from higher and well, less being it, less visible? Here's the thing: we we don't exactly know the altitude. That there there are plenty of arguments against actually being able to visually guess the altitude. Like all you're seeing is like super bright lights, and like I said, no actual photos or video underneath this thing. It's just way out in the distance. There's super bright lights. Um, the military was saying fourteen to fifteen thousand feet is where they're dropping flares, which is ridiculous. But that's not super close to the ground. You know, that's that's pretty far up there. Um, and then to, I don't know, add another idea to that is just this idiocracy type of thing where someone forgets to hit the fucking cloaking switch. You know, they're like that <laughs> low to, to like the city to like look and someone's like, hey, I see a lot of humans looking up at us. Did you hit the cloaking switch? Oh, shit. I totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> or it's either it's either something like that or or they just have like some different logical process where it's like some cultural difference and then this is their their like form of teabagging you know (laughs) it's like they're teabagging us and we don't even know it we just can't understand what it means mystery solved we are being extraterrestrial teabagged whenever there is a large ufo close to the ground (laughs) (laughs) like haha motherfucker no one's gonna believe you (laughs) <laughs> all right man um do you have any, anything else that you want to talk about i don't think so um just just that that last part of you know between the the hail bop comet and heaven's gate you know less than a week you know after this sighting was the only thing that really sent me for a loop and probably my strongest argument that it's actually ufos you think it was the aliens trying to tell everyone, hey, you've got a week. It's time to hop on board. You know what? I kind of like that theory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or or the aliens knew of Heaven's Gate and it was like a preemptive funeral procession. You know, <laughs> they, 
things in different galaxies are probably done differently. You know, here someone dies and then we put them in a box and sometimes they're put into a car and there's a whole line of cars that drive down the street. Funeral procession. Maybe in this distant galaxy you do that before someone dies. I can't argue with that, man. <laughs> All right, man. Do you have any apologies, shout outs or clarifications you like to make? Well, while we're on the subject of a military aircraft flying around the sky, I would like to give a shout out to the Blue Angels, uh, the Navy's elite fighter pilot demonstration team that has been gracing my hometown with their presence this weekend. I was lucky enough to be outside watering my front lawn and got to watch the majority of their routine because I'm close enough to the airbase they are performing at. So shout out to the Blue Angels, um, top notch, elite, best of the best fighter pilots pilots in general in the world you know these guys fly at ridiculous g-forces and speeds at what appears to be inches from each other yeah i guess um is that all you got that's all i got what about you um yeah i'd like to just apologize for my my dismal performance on this episode because the entire front half of my head feels like it's going to explode so I just want to say that before we get out of there. But like I said, you know, Davis, he he cracked he cracked the whip on us and we had to do it. Got to do it, man. This that. Yeah, we we do not rest. We we must bring these unsolved mysteries to the forefront of public knowledge. And we have to bring them to justice, honestly. Absolutely. All right, man, I think it's time to get out of here. Like sands through the hourglass. So, too, are the minutes of our podcast. But don't fret, dear listener. We'll be back again to breathe new life into an old mystery next time. Remember, folks, the truth is out there, somewhere in the ether. And with our powers combined, we'll solve that bitch once and for all. This is Super Mystery Bros. So I grabbed a can that looked cool and had like a cool name. I forget exactly what the name was, but it was a pickle flavor beer and I couldn't even drink one of them. Jesus Christ, dude. Why the <laughs> fuck are people doing that? They're just I running out do. of ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yup. Who's going to, who's going to like sit down on the couch and watch like pop in a DVD and just like drink a six pack of those. The pickle flavored beer. It's, like, it's I, I just imagine it's, it's some guy who's like your dad, you know, when your dad would sit down in his in his easy chair and uh, yeah. just have like a, a Budweiser in his, his beer koozie, just like picking at his toenails and shit while he's watching TV and just like downing a six pack <laughs> of pickle flavored beer. <laughs> just casually like it's nothing.
wow, you have a very good recollection of what my dad likes to do. <laughs> oh, dude, one of my one of my favorite memories of being at your house was when we were we were in your living room together. It was me, you, and your dad, and um, that Keanu Reeves movie was on. It was the War, War of the Worlds. And oh yeah, yeah. Your, your dad was just chilling on the on the easy chair, and uh, you know, just drinking beer like his normal self. And he's just quiet the whole time, you know, just minding his own business, watching the movie. And then, you know, the movie ends, and he like he he lowers the uh, the leg rest with his legs, and he gets up out off of the chair, and he's like, "Well, that was a fucking stupid movie." <laughs> <laughs> 